up, y'all? I am Chris Chouse, and this is Straight Chow, the fantasy football podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Headliners. Welcome back to the show. I am back with a guy who blew his load last week on a player named Chuba Hubbard, Mr. Chris Kennedy. What's going on, buddy? Well, I, I feel like that was taken out of context just it a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, the exact quote was that I blew my whole load on one guy. Um, <laughs> that was the exact quote. So don't take, take it out of context. Yeah, right? You might as well just be a, might as well be a journalist out there. Sorry. But you know, I'm trying over here, but I did. I completely did. And I, I told you I was going to, you did last at, week least, on the at show. least you were honest, man. You were, honest I am a it. man of my word <laughs> and you know, and so what happened was in the league, uh, that I have that is being that is run by uh, one of our longtime MVP Patreon members, Mr. Upside. Upside. Uh, the uh, I was looking at everyone's waiver, uh, you know, or, or fab money and how much balance they had remaining. And because I knew people were going to put in for for Chuba. And I was like, you know what? I don't really need him, but I also don't want anyone else to get him either. Just in case CMC's hamstring injury is more serious than we thought. And he's going to miss extra games, you know, more so than we think he, he might. Sure. So there was one person who had more fab money than me. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to bet all of that, what I have. I'm going to find the person that has the next most after me. And I'm going to bet a dollar more than that. So that's exactly what I did. I spent like <laughs> 93 or 94 of my 100 fab dollars yeah. on Chuba yeah. just so that he could sit on my bench. <laughs> that's how petty that's how petty i am hey man that's fantasy football because you got to do what you got to do to win and i mean i think it was funny after the week he didn't have a bad week i mean if he would have found the end zone it would have been fine but it was funny you're shopping him i saw you in the discord in the mvp discord you're like anybody want you they're all like yeah not so much not this week yeah but you know what that's okay because this week he gets Philadelphia, Ooh, who's yes. giving up like 127 rushing yards a game to running backs right now. So I think that if he's going to have some sort of a phenomenal game, it's going to be this upcoming week. But like you said, this past week, he didn't have a bad game. You know, a touchdown would have been nice. But yeah. you know what? I'll, he was on my bench regardless. Yeah, no, it was. I mean, he might pay off and get you some trade value after this week because who knows what CMC's uh, issues are right now. So, I mean. Who knows, man? It was it was a lofty investment, but I mean, we'll see if it pays out. Um, and, and by lofty, if you mean like really, really unnecessary, then yes. yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah, lofty. That's the definition of how I use yeah. lofty. Unnecessary. Unnecessary actions, man, by Chris Kennedy. But we do got happy trails this week, man. I mean, Shady McCoy, he retires on Thursday from the NFL. I started looking into Shady. I got a soft spot for Shady because, I mean, he spent some time in Buffalo, obviously. Huge fan. I mean, he he, he didn't want to come to Buffalo at first. He was He's like, I'm not going to Buffalo. Are you kidding me? And everyone just says, just come to town. Just come to town. You'll see what it is. You'll see what we're about. And he loves it. He was like, this is home. He loves all the fans, et cetera. He retires as a Philadelphia Eagle, signs a one-day uh, or one day contract to retire as an Eagle, obviously. I mean, that's where he started. That's where he had his most success. But I mean, as I was looking through some of Shady's uh, uh, achievements, I mean, okay, let's let's dive in because there's a lot. 
So he was a second round pick, 53rd overall in 2019. He played for four teams, the Eagles, the Bills, the Chiefs, the, the Buccaneers, won two Super Bowl rings with the Chiefs and the Bucs uh, in consecutive years. Six-time Pro Bowl, two-time first, uh, first team All-Pro, NFL rushing leader 2013, NFL TD leader 2011, NFL All-Decade team for the 2010s, and his stat line goes 170 games played, 2,457 attempts, 11,102 yards, 73 rushing touchdowns, added 518 receptions, almost 4,000 receiving yards, and 16 receiving touchdowns. I mean, that's a mouthful. He, um, obviously, you got to think, first ballot Hall of Famer. I was just, just going to say, and I knew that's exactly where this conversation was going to go. And when you look at his numbers, um, so he, he he does have a Super Bowl ring, you know, for, for when he was uh, that last season with Tampa. And he's, what, I was looking at his numbers as well earlier. I think he's 11th or 12th all-time in rushing yards. You, like you mentioned, when you throw in the receiving work that he did as well, I think I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, especially where he had that all pro, you know, caliber type of, you know, performance in him. Yeah, I'd put him first ballot. Yeah, I mean, you know what, even if say he doesn't, I mean, but how many running backs right now? I mean, if they get Edron James in on the first ballot, I think Shady's a shoe in. He he, he was right. I mean, he was one of the most dominating players at the position for a what four year stretch. Maybe I could say like every day, every game he was just balling out, whether it be with the Eagles, even when he came to the Bills for those two years with Tyrod. I mean, he was lights out. He was all over the field. No, I I completely agree. I think that with. I think Edron James is actually a really good, you know, comparison um, because Edron James, you know, yeah, he's, he had a few more, he had more touchdowns. He did have some more rushing guards, but they're pretty much neck and neck and they played, you know, you know, like 10 years apart from each other, but very similar type of, of players as far as guys that were involved in the receiving game, you know, running the ball as well. So yeah, I think that if Edron can get in, then yeah, absolutely, absolutely shady. Well, happy trails to you, Shady McCoy. Thanks for the memories. It was fun while it lasted. Surprise cut breaking news, man. The Dallas Cowboys are on drugs right now, and I don't understand why they did this. I mean, we we were discussing this before we hit the record button, but I mean... They released Jalen Smith, the uh, linebacker who that they snagged in in, uh, in the second round. What was it? Two years ago? Three years ago now in the draft? 2017, I think or, it was. 2017 already. Okay, so we're yeah. four years already. So I mean, yep. but but I mean that was a that was a great pick at that point. And right now we were talking. I mean, school him up, man. How many tackles does boy get? And and they just outright release his ass. Yeah, so this is this is interesting to me because I didn't know, you know, as far as how many tackles he actually did have. In 2019, he was sixth in the league with over with 142, I believe, tackles. Last year, he was second in the NFL in total tackles with over 150. And you were mentioning before we came on that, you know, the Cowboys were concerned about, you know, his overall lack of speed. Well, yeah, the guy had the had the knee injury four years ago. And the fact that he was still top five, top six over the last couple of years in total tackles, the guy's still getting it done. And he's 26 years old. Yeah, and I'm, I'm baffled. I, the, the fact that they didn't even put a flyer out there to try to trade the man, like, I get it. Okay, $7.2 million comes off the books, but just straight out cut. Like, this ain't Jamie Collins here. Right. I mean, that, I mean that's another guy that's going to be available. But no, 26 years old. I mean, this is a guy who's going to, you know, He's going to sign probably a, you know, what one year contract with whatever team that he goes with and sign with whoever he wants to. 
And at this age, I don't know necessarily if he automatically goes to a Kansas City or a Tampa Bay. Please go. He might this year to try to get that championship and then try to get that big contract. Please, God, no. Why would you put that out there, man? You're already putting the negative stigma on this guy going to the Chiefs or the Bucks. Like, why would you do it, man? I mean, trust me, I would love it if he went to the Patriots. The Patriots are, are below average when it comes to tackling so far this season, so he could help them out. I know your Bills are always looking for, you know, pass rushers, you know, guys that can get after the quarterback, and Jalen Smith can certainly do that. So I, I was going to say, you, you you misspoke. It's the Bills, not the Patriots. I want every player at the Buffalo Bills. You know this. Yeah, but he's just, he wants to play for Bill. Not oh, the Bills, but just Bill. Stop. Just stop. It's this is crazy. Crazy shocking. I, I mean, the Dallas Cowboys defense obviously is on the ups right now. Trayvon Diggs and company doing very well, but this one surprises me a lot, and I don't know what uh, Jerry Jones is doing in there. I mean, they're saying he kind of fell out of favor in Dan Quinn's defensive system, but I mean, can we trust Dan Quinn with what he's done defensively over these years? Uh, no, yeah, no, not not at all. I mean, yeah, the Cowboys have improved a little bit on on defense this year. You know, their past defense is, has certainly improved. Their run defense is still a little bit iffy, but they're certainly a much better defense through the first four weeks of this season than they were all of last year. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't get it. But moving on, let's go. Player injuries. We got another slew of them because that's what the NFL is week to week now. It's injuries, and what do you guys need to know and do for your fantasy clubs? Because it's rough out there right now, man. I, I It's like bodies just lying all over the place. First one is kind of interesting, not really fantasy viable, is the Saints' Tony Jones. He goes down. He's expected to miss three to four weeks. And the only reason why I bring it up is because the Saints now are working out running backs. Lamar Miller, our boy Duke. Duke Johnson oh. in the in the house. Brian Hill. Ito Smith and Raquel Armstead all had workouts with the Saints today. And I'm, I'm, I was on Twitter earlier vying for Duke to get into New Orleans because, I mean, hey, we always talk about on this show how many times – Get a get a tandem approach running back system where they can mimic each other's skill sets. And I'm not saying Duke is Alvin, but you can do exactly the same stuff you do with Alvin with Duke and not really. I don't want to say miss a beat, but I mean, schematically, system wise, you won't miss a beat. No, I, I completely agree because Duke has really been that third down passing down kind of a running back, even though we know he can be more of that three down type of style of running back. Um, but I think New Orleans would probably be a good fit for him because you can you can kind of just insert Duke Johnson, like you would Alvin Kamara. Um, I do think it could hurt Kamara's receiving upside a little bit. You know, that's kind of, he definitely hasn't had the the receiving work this year that I thought he was going to with Jameis Winston under center. Mm. Um, but I do think that, you know, with this injury, you know, and the fact that they don't have Latavius Murray anymore after letting him go, I think that Duke would be a nice fit in. I, I think so too. And I mean, any other player in this Ito, maybe. I mean, Ito kind of gives you that poor man's Latavius Murray style, but Lamar Miller really, I mean, he can't still be a thing. He's he's no. done. He's done. Oh, he's he's absolutely yeah, he's done. Okay. And speaking of done, I am sad today, Chris. It was, you know what it was? It was a range of emotions. It was it was a high, it was a low. David Montgomery, he is gone for Ooh. four to five weeks after he took that crazy hit, man. It would like bent his whole leg back. It was gruesome. They didn't even want to show the replay on Sunday. And now he's gone four to five weeks. I mean, thankfully, it wasn't an ACL tear. But I mean, this hurts, man. Five weeks without your RB2. I I'm going to be hurting, man. Uh, Yeah. And you better 
hope that you have a high waiver pick or you didn't blow your entire load on Chuba Hubbard <laughs> because Damian Williams is going to be available in the majority of your fantasy leagues. And he's going to be the RB one for this team until Tariq Cohen comes back in week seven, I believe it is because the only other running back that they have right now is Khalil Herbert. Yes, indeed. And that's it. So Damian Williams is going to be definitely a top priority pick, especially this week going up against the Raiders who have struggled against the run. Here's the question I had, because I did some extensive work on Khalil Herbert a little bit. Virginia Tech product transferred over. He is decent, man. You know what he is? He's kind of like a a similar David Montgomery style. And if I I went back, I mean, okay, I get it. He was a sixth round pick, but I mean, 4.5 wheels, 210, 5'9". I mean, good tape speed, good patience, stiff arm, body control, vision. He's a leader in the locker room, always has been in college. I mean, but it's like, okay, the the stop-start speed is in question. Poor receiving skills may not get it uh, done. But this guy's got some ability that I'm really excited about. So, I mean, Damian Williams did hurt himself as well. Got a thigh bruise. He's likely mm-hmm. going to play. But, I mean, thoughts on Khalil Herbert. If you miss out on, on Damian, you got to be going for Khalil Herbert, too. I think you have to just because he is going to be the handcuff. You know, Herbert, it will be the handcuff for the next handful of weeks. So I definitely think he's worth a shot. And he's somebody that you most likely won't have to spend any fab money on. You can probably just pick him up as a free agent once waivers clear. I put in I put in claims on both these men. I, I put like a, I think a thirty spot on uh, Damian. I think I put one dollar on <laughs> on Khalil Herbert. Hopefully, I get him for my buck. You need to jack that up by like ninety three more bucks. I trust think me. so, man. We got to get yeah. it up there, man. <sighs> Montgomery, man. I put all my eggs in one basket, and now I'm fucked. I'm I'm screwed, man. For RB two. I'm I'm not only because I don't think I own Montgomery in any of my leagues wow. and it's not because I didn't want him. It's just because I wasn't able to, to take him at the, the position where he ended up getting drafted. So understandable. I have him everywhere because I reached and yeah, that turned out really well at this point. God damn it. Uh, but Joe Mixon, man, he's got an ankle day to day. This is a problem. And I mean, okay, he's been getting a lot of use. I mean, he's supposed to play this week likely, but I mean, this was a conversation I kind of wanted to have because Chris Evans is in the mix now. I mean, you have, uh, can't remember who the other guy is, uh, P. Ryan, sorry. And I mean, you have these two guys now in the mix, potentially taking carries away. But if we're talking about Joe Mixon overall, the amount of workload that he has been getting has been absolutely phenomenal. But I mean, the efficiency rates are kind of lower this year. And it's like, really, why can't he take those 27, 23 touches, 25 touches and turn it into like RB1 top end numbers, Chris? Why can't he do it? That's the thing. He's so I believe it's only only Derrick Henry has more touches per game than than Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon is getting 22 and a half touches per game. He's being involved in about 80% of the snaps, which is top five in the league. And he's seeing at least 75% of the red zone carries. Like this guy is being used like a workhorse back. It's just, like you said, that efficiency, it's not there. Like he should be a top three, top four fantasy running back right now. And who knows, maybe, maybe things will kind of even out as the season goes on. But the numbers that he's putting up, you know, that you can look at are not meant they're not measuring up to what you're seeing on the stat sheet. He could legit be a top two back right now with this workload. And, and I mean, 
it's, it's, it's baffling to me. I don't even have an explanation for it because I mean, Burrow has been playing very well. We said, okay, fine. They, they went down to Jacksonville last week and, and almost lost, but I mean, the, the offense overall, they're playing good. And, and I just, I, I have no explanation why Joe, because I'm always a Joe Mixon fan, just like you are. But I mean, I just, I have no explanation for why these, these efficiency rates are always so low for this man. And it's interesting because when you look at the the Bengals and their offensive lines, they have one of the better adjusted line yard numbers in the league when it comes to an offensive line rating for running backs and how many yards they're able to produce for their running backs. And so I, I, I don't think I can put it on the offensive line and not creating the, the space for them because they certainly are. It, this is just this is a Joe Mixon thing right now. Yeah, man, I, it's a baffling thing. You put in a lot of draft capital. At least it wasn't a first rounder likely for most of y'all. But I mean, it still hurts. It still definitely hurts. I mean, you taking a shot on Chris Evans this week if he's uh, if Mixon's out. If Mixon is out, which I don't I don't think he will be. I do think he's going to play. Um, it's tough to say if I'm going to trust, you know, Samaji P. Ryan or if I'm going to go with Chris Evans. I mean, Evans has got, you know, no carries and three and three receptions so far on the season. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see what kind of direction we go. And I, honestly, going against Green Bay, I don't know if I would touch any of the Bengals running backs. Yeah, fair enough. And I mean, I, you know? can you can you trust a guy named Samaji? I mean, uh, no disrespect. I mean, it's his name, but I mean, really? Samaji? No, I'd much rather trust a guy named Chris. Let's be honest. <laughs> see, see how that works. Oh, well done, sir. I, you hit it out of the park. Teddy two gloves. He is in concussion protocol. I mean, this is another situation where he'll likely clear before the next uh, week's contest. But I mean, Drew Locke comes in and he just validates the point that he is not the starting quarterback for this club. He I mean, he's lost. I mean, he got sacked. He's throwing errant passes all over the field. And and at at this point, I'm like, why was I so supportive of this man before? I mean, basically, his only knock was footwork. And now it seems like every knock on his game is everything. Uh, Yeah. Um, So with Drew Locke, the biggest thing that everyone was in love with was the fact that he was a gunslinger. He was going to throw the ball deep and he was going to, you know, make all these crazy plays happen. Um, Yeah. No, he's just not an accurate passing quarterback like at at all. No sugar coating. Yeah, you're just you suck, man. You're you're terrible. Yeah, and I, I don't want to say that he sucks because I I was hoping that he was going to be able to turn things around. I was hoping that he was going to kind of, you know, just just be a little bit better. Um, but then Teddy came in and just absolutely, you know, just took the job. Just absolutely just destroyed it. Yeah, it's. I think he's going to suit up. I mean, barring, I mean, he took that hit. He never came back. But I mean, we see how many quarterbacks, how many players. We saw freaking Devontae Adams get lit up on the Sunday night football, and he comes back two plays later. And I don't even know how they cleared him for concussion protocol that fast because he was knocked out cold on the field, basically. So I think Teddy's going to suit up. Yeah, I, I think so. Because for the little time that Drew Lock did play, um, I think he he ended because what they did was and this was this was a brilliant uh, a brilliant move by the by the Ravens. They knew that Drew Locke you know can't handle pressure very well, mm-hmm. and so they did. They just blitzed the crap out of him, and he completed like forty percent of his passes. You know when he was being blitzed, and of course you know making errant throws. He threw the interception, wasn't able to move the ball down the field. So I think Teddy will be okay for this coming week because if not. Um, it's going to be it's gonna be a long game for Mr. Locke. Yeah, man. I think even if Teddy's still kind of feeling a little woozy, they're just going to shoot him up with something and say, get out there because 
we can't have Buddy uh, on the field anymore. Yeah, especially against Pittsburgh. So. Especially against Pittsburgh, yeah. T.J. Watt will have him for lunch, man. Speaking of lunch, Jimmy G, I mean, his calf uh, injury now all of a sudden is looking to be not as severe as, as everyone would have uh, anticipated. Coach Kyle Shanahan said it this week. You know, and I mean, what are we making of this San Francisco 49ers club at this point? Because, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit confused uh, about how Kyle Shanahan is moving forward. I didn't like his presser after the contest when they asked him about what uh, Trey Lance did well and didn't do well. And I mean, uh, you would like to see your coach be a little bit more supportive, but Lance was more, or uh, Shanahan was more like on the negative toward Lance saying, yeah, I mean, he did things good. He did things bad. And then he kind of highlighted a lot of the bad things. And I'm like, well, come on, man. This guy is a rook. He's learning. It's just basically his first game. I don't know, man. What would you do in this situation? Because for me, I'm like, okay, we've seen enough of Jimmy G. Like, let's give the young buck a shot. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought Lance was fine. I mean, he was able to get it done with his legs. He was able to throw, you know, get it done with his arm as well. And with Jimmy G, you know what you're going to get, you know. Um, and for me personally, I think that with with Lance, I wouldn't be upset if they did throw him in there, you know. Um, but with with San Francisco, I mean, at this point, you know, are they going to be a team that's going to be able to compete in the NFC West with, you know, the Rams, the Cardinals, the Seahawks, because that is a loaded division right now. And if it does get to the point where San Fran is kind of out of it, then yeah, you throw in Lance and you let him, you know, you kind of just let him, you know, throw him into the fire and just, you know, trial by fire and see what works. But I do think Lance needs a little bit more time, um, especially if they are going to be competing for that division. Yeah, man. I mean, the one throw he did throw to Debo, it was ugly. Debo was wide open on the sideline. It was such a short throw, and, and Debo basically, he made Debo work for that touchdown. That should have been just a cakewalk in the end zone. Debo had to slow up, and then he runs it in. I mean, I, there there is inadequacy in his game, obviously. He, he needs to understand how to play the pro game, but for me, I, I've seen more than enough of Jimmy G. It's the game manager role. I mean, what is Kyle really wanting out of this outside? Of, it's not even Alex Smith game manager mode to me. I'm, I've seen enough of Jimmy G. I'm, I'm done. I'm out. No, I'm definitely out on Jimmy G, you know, but he does give them that veteran presence, you know, that, that, that experience in the huddle. Um, but again, I think it's going to just all come down to whether or not San Francisco is still actually in the playoff mix before they want to make a full-time change. Yeah, I, I, fair enough. And I, it's hard to argue, but continuing with San Francisco's injuries, we don't talk about kickers getting hurt very often, but Robbie Gold gets injured during the damn game. And they had to use the punter, man. And the punter was missing field goals. They had to start going for two. Now Robbie Gold is on IR. Like, I mean, how much more bad luck can San Francisco get, man? I mean, if your kicker's going down, you got problems. This is like 2020 all over again for the 49ers. They were just riddled with injuries, and it just seems to be keeping up with them this year. So... Yeah, best of luck to you, 49ers. Best of luck, 49ers. Will Fuller, he finds himself back in common territory in the medical room because that's where he no. belongs. Yeah, I know. It's shocking. It's, it's that's, ridiculous. It's so weird. It's so weird, man. I, I couldn't believe it when I saw this, but I mean, broken finger. He is week to week, likely three to four weeks. God, I mean, can we just put the injury prone uh, without PEDs on this man? Oh, oh, are you kidding me? We could have put that tag on him years ago. Absolutely. I, the minute he came out, it was on the tag. Oh, hands down. Now, the other thing, the, only, the other plea that I have is, can we please 
get Jalen Waddle some freaking targets. Preach, right? preach it. Jalen Waddle should be getting close to double digit targets a game. He should be on the field for at least 90% of the snaps. Like, get the man the damn ball. Yeah, Miami's really confusing to me right now. I don't like anything they're doing. The, I mean, Miles Gaskin, what did he have, like four touches last week? Like, what the hell is going on in Miami? I don't know. I mean, like, you have these weapons. You have Parker. You have Waddle. You have Mike Kosicki. You have, you know, Miles Gaskin. Like, use him. I know Jacoby Brissett's not the greatest quarterback in the world, but the man's competent. He knows what he's doing out there. Just, you know, find a way to get it done. He's serviceable. I, I mean, he can move yeah. the ball. He's mobile. He's a, he's a mismatch on the field. But, I mean, here we go again with the same argument that I continue to have is why do you continuously draft? And I'm talking about all you general managers out there. Why do you continue to draft players if you're not going to use them properly? If you don't understand their skill set, why do you bring them to your club? I am forever baffled by this uh, whole operation. Same goes for Henry Ruggs. You don't use them that way. Right now, Philadelphia is pissing me off with how they're using uh, Devontae Smith. Nick Saban knew how to use these guys. And how many times we saw the like the number one routes or the, the pick plays or coming out of the backfield for Smith. And, and we haven't seen Philly do that once. Same goes for Jalen Rager. We don't see that shit at all. Why do you bring these players to your club if you don't intend to use them? And now we're seeing it with Jalen Waddle as well. Philadelphia is kind of an easy answer because they're just a, a hot mess of a shit show. True. So that's kind of to be expected. But in Miami, they have a, a very good coaching staff where they should be able to know how to use their studs, especially when you're going to use a high draft pick on somebody like a Jalen Waddle. Get the man involved. He should be your number one target. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm at a loss. I mean... At least with Waddle, he's at least getting a decent amount to keep himself in a position where you you feel like you could eventually see it coming down the line in the future. That's kind of how I see Waddle right now. It's not even like Henry Ruggs. Like, I'm still like, why are you guys, John Gruden, like, give your head a shake, dude. Like, you're you're completely lost. Now it's, again, what, what did Ruggs have uh, on Monday night there? It was like three targets. Like, come on. Like, this is bullshit. Yeah, I mean, the fact that Hunter Renfro had more targets than than Henry Ruggs. I mean, hell, Hunter Renfro had more targets on on, on Monday night than anybody on, yes, on the Raiders. But, but still, like, again, you spend this draft capital on these players, you know, Henry Ruggs, use the man. Like, Carr's having a really good season, and he's finally starting to throw the ball deep like he did when he had Amari Cooper. So I don't understand what the problem is. No, I, I can't get it. I, I keep saying I'm at a loss because I am. I, I don't even know how to even to articulate this anymore because you guys are pissing me off. But speaking of pissed off, did you see DJ Chark blow up his ankle on Thursday Night Football? No, I did not see that. Oh, man, it was it was ugly. The poor man was carted off the field. He's done. He's on IR. And I mean, it was unlucky. He got twisted up and it was just it was game over. I thought it was his ACL, but apparently it's his ankles just completely blown up. Now, what do these Jacksonville Jaguars do? And I mean, should we talk about the elephant in the room with Urban Meyer as well? I mean, should we even broach this topic? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, it's <laughs> what we do. This is ridiculous, man. So DJ Chark is gone. Fine. He's injured. I mean, I wish you the best of luck in your recovery. 
But everything that's going on in Jacksonville right now, you lose Travis Etienne before it even got started. I mean, Urban Meyer, his history, his pedigree has been absolutely terrible. Going even back to college, the I mean, you could almost label this guy, quote unquote, douche, um, because it kind of fits the bill. Right. And I mean, here's mm-hmm. the situation. Mm-hmm. I am not here to criticize anybody's morals. That's that's up to you, man. My morals are mine. That's my job. That's 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 Chris's job. You can question the morals all you want. You know, I I mean, I, I, I don't care what he does in his personal time. If he's stepping out on his wife, that's nothing that I'm condoning. But I mean, this doesn't have anything to do with football, right? So then I started questioning, well, why is this media coverage? OK, I get it. He's the head coach of the Jaguars. I get it. And, and I mean, it's going to have publicity, but I mean, really, are we talking about like stuff like Bobby Kraft, your owner there, you know, he goes to the massage parlor, gets busted. And I mean, he mm-hmm. gets, he gets a slap on the wrist and nobody thinks twice. I mean, why is urban taking so much heat right now? Uh, well, I think the reason is because he was such a high profile coach in college that there's going to be more attention. You know, he left a high profile job to come to the NFL he had the number one draft pick um, in Trevor Lawrence. And I think another reason why it's also why he's getting in trouble more so than what we saw with Bob Kraft is because Urban Meyer is not the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Is if this was uh if this was Khan who had got who had this happen to him, I think it'd be it would be talked about, but it wouldn't be as blown up as it is with Urban Meyer because of his profile. Yeah. It- Ah, this, this, this one's such a tricky one. So it's like this society is about money, power, and greed. We know this, this is nothing new. And, and if you don't have the money and the power, urban has the power, the money, he just doesn't have the power. So, so now all of a sudden you fall in line with another, uh, I'm not even in that category because I don't have power or money. I'm just, I'm just, you know, a peon over here, you know, just trying to feed my family, but this is a very funny dynamic in society that if you don't have the power, but you have some money, you're going to be scrutinized. Had had this conversation with a friend of mine as well. And he was kind of saying, maybe it's because he hasn't earned it yet. And, and that's, I, I don't hate that level of argument either. You know, if he was there for what, five years coaching had some success, gained the trust of the organization that way. And he had some indiscretions. Would it be the same? Because it might not be. Okay, so let's let's kind of, you know, go with that. Let's say this happened to Sean McVay. Would okay. it be as would it be would he be as scrutinized as I, I don't Myers? know. I th- that's a thing. You know? I don't have I don't have an answer for you because of how right. this is all setting up for Urban. You would think it would be the same. Excuse me, but I mean, then every time we see stuff like this, it's always it's the hypocrisy that kills me. That's that's where I'm at. Societal hypocrisy. It's like it's you you pick and choose when you want to affect somebody and then you take it away on the other guy. I, I just I'm at a loss. I, I, re, I really am. No, I, I completely agree. And I think the, the moral of the story here is urban. Keep your fingers out of other women's booty holes. Whoa, whoa. This is a family show. No more. Oh man, I was I was thinking you were going down the line. You know, if you want to do some damage, you know, to another female, you know, take it to a hotel room. Like, don't be in front of cameras, and this well, is a non-issue. Well, that's in a world of social media, like, and and you know, cell phones and and cameras are just getting better and better and better every single year. Like, you know, the second you go into a bar, even if you're not doing anything wrong, 
people are going to be taking videos and pictures of you just because of who you are. Right. You could be sitting there just having a, a, a glass of water, eating a napkin. Okay. Let's say you like to eat napkins. Okay. <laughs> people are going to take videos of you. Sure. Like it's going to happen. Okay. So if you're seen dancing and flirting and doing things you shouldn't be doing with, with a woman that is not your wife, clearly, of course, people are going to videotape that and it's going to get out onto the internet. That's what this whole interweb thing does, Urban. Like, I know Facebook and Instagram shut down for like 10 he hours. He thought he was good. It was it was offline yesterday. He thought he was That's gold. not a window of opportunity, Urban. <laughs> That's not what we call this. Oh, man. Man, this is just interesting stuff. I mean, where does he go from here? I, I, I think, you know what, from my perspective overall, I think it was the wrong hire in general. If, especially for a guy like Trevor Lawrence, he's holding him back. At first, when they hired him, I thought, yeah, maybe, you know what, he could relate because he's a college, former college coach. You know, he's going to be able to relate to the young guy early on and get him moving and, and progressing. And and it's been nothing of the sort. And I mean, the, the game looks like when, when Urban, I mean, he's had so many dumb comments, but when Urban said every game looks like we're playing Alabama in this NFL, I'm I, like, oh, God. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? You're a, you're a pro coach and you're talking like you want some weeks off like you're playing who man i mean give me a give me a garbage team i mean i can't think of one right now but i mean he's what he's gonna hope that he's gonna get like an appalachian state there you go or like a duke man you're playing duke this week you know like you don't get no days off come on buddy you know who i think let's say for whatever reason let's say urban meyer is no longer the the head coach of jacksonville next year and someone who will be and and deservedly so be a name for a head coach Imagine if Joe Brady oh. went to Jacksonville and got to coach Trevor Lawrence oh, and that man. offense. That would, would you... be he would just have to he would make sure have to make sure that he has a phenomenal defensive coaching staff with him. But Joe Brady with that offense would be sexy. Unbelievably sexy. And I mean, when you're talking, even if so, yeah, you get Travis at the end, say like for argument's sake, he comes back fully healthy, no setbacks. You still got J Rob and then you add some wide receiver talent because there's some talent coming out of this draft. I mean, if you want to go free agent wise, I mean, there's going to be lots of free agents. Juju's going to be out there, etc. But I mean, this team is not that far off. You need a good draft and another good offseason with a good head coach. And you could really turn it around in Jacksonville, especially with a guy like Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, a lot of people are already saying that, you know, they're not sold on, on, on Trevor. And I'm like, yo, like pump the brakes. Peyton Manning had 18 interceptions in his rookie year or something crazy. So pump the brakes. You saw what he could do against Cincinnati last week. He, he put the team on his back. You know what it is? It's poor coaching. How many times we saw Trevor Lawrence do the, the read option and keep the ball. And they figured it out. He continued to do it. It's just maturation. It's understanding. And he could have given those off. And I guarantee you the next couple of games, you're going to see Trevor Lawrence give those read options off instead of taking off. And, and it's just one of these things. But he is learning. He's progressing. The ball placement was very good. I liked his game on Thursday. I, I don't really hate it at all. No, I thought, he, I thought he played really well. I mean, again, it was his fourth NFL game ever. Like, give the guy some time. I mean, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go with Peyton Manning here, but I'm looking at what Eli Manning did throughout his career. The number of, of seasons that Eli Manning threw at least 15 interceptions is absolutely staggering. Okay. Like the turnovers are going to happen, especially with a young quarterback, like, like Trevor Lawrence mistakes are going to happen, but that's when you have a good coaching staff to help, you know, build this guy up and to help him improve and mature as a professional. 
unfortunately, I don't think he has that in with him right now in Jacksonville, which is why I'm going to go back. You know, whether it's Joe Brady, if he gets an opportunity, uh, this guy who should have been a head coach years ago and Eric Bieniemy, Bien-Ami. you know, that, an- another option there. So I think that they just need the right coaching staff in Jacksonville. Otherwise, they're just going to he's he's going to be set up to fail. Yeah, even Brian Dable's name will get kicked around, I'm sure. But I mean, there are better options, no question. But this Urban Meyer thing, I just I mean, I, I wanted to talk. I mean, it's not like it's a big deal. It doesn't change my life, but don't step out on your wives, guys. I mean, be better. Than that. Be better than that. Don't be a D bag. Don't be a douche, man. I mean, your wife is there. Talk to her, you know, shit, man. Josh Gordon, he is back, man. This is going to be the third show in a row. We're talking about Josh Gordon, and I freaking love it, and I don't care. If you guys don't like it, that's fine. I mean, you're going to listen, right, because you're here, and and you like us. But he's suiting up, man. Sunday Night Football, he's going to play. What the hell is this man's role going to be? It's got to be straight-up decoy. That's what I'm thinking here, and I think I said it on last week's show. Like Every time we bring up Josh Gordon, it just it breaks <laughs> my heart a little bit because he is my broke back mountain. Like he, he just, that's exactly what he is. Cause he was the guy for years in dynasty. I couldn't quit him. I refused to release him from any of my dynasty rosters. And now he's coming back into the league and he's playing with the freaking chiefs. And, he's and we talked about it last week. Yeah, man. And we, we talked about it two weeks in a row. Now it's three weeks because Josh Gordon is our guy. And this is you know, interesting. third, third time's the charm. That's why third time, third time. I don't even really have much else to say about him. Hopefully he stays off the weed and my bills can shut it down. Let's just hope Baker Mayfield. I really want to talk about Baker for a second because there was some interesting comments made about his performance last week. And I mean, there were some that are saying is Baker Mayfield holding this offense back. And I, and I thought, I mean, okay, fine. It was a hard fought game in Minnesota, 14 to seven, that defense played their asses off in Cleveland. Because, I mean, Minnesota's been playing very well offensively. Kirk Cousins is having, quote-unquote, career year. But, I mean, Baker Mayfield right now. I don't know what's going on with Baker because he's missing throws that he should easily make. I mean, is it Jarvis Landry really that important to this man that when he's scanning the field, he misses his check down and discount double check right there for him? And, I mean, it's just uh, he missed OBJ worse than I've ever seen. It will be Jay was pissed, man. Yeah. I mean, Baker Mayfield's best game this year was week one against the chiefs. He balled out and then he just looked absolutely. I don't even want to say average, just like subpar. Yes. You know, like he two or just over 200 yards in a touchdown against Houston. That's a defense. You should be lighting up. Lighting. He got absolutely harassed uh, against Chicago, got sacked five times had the tough game against Minnesota. Like, yeah, they're winning games, but I mean, at some point you're going to have to start putting up a bunch of points in order to beat other teams that you're playing against because you can't keep relying on your defense to hold teams to, you know, seven points, you know, 21 against Houston. But the last two weeks, they've given up a total of 13 points and Mm -hmm. you can't keep relying on your defense to do that week in and week out. Yeah, you got to support the cause because, I mean, we've seen it with great defenses before where they end up getting gassed by like week 10 and they're not the same unit anymore. But this Baker thing is very strange to me. It's like he's some he is an enigma to me because for some reason he'll have those, like you said, the stretches of great games 
And we saw it even last year. He played very well at certain times, and then all of a sudden the, the play just completely fell off. And you're like, what is going on? It's not like the running game is falling, uh, faltering them. They're running the ball extremely well. I mean, Nick Chubb, again, over 100 yards, 20 touches. Uh, Kareem Hunt doing all the mop-up duty. So I, I just – I. Okay, is it is it the chemistry? I mean, he's never really been on point with OBJ since uh, Beckham got there, so maybe that's part of it. It could be, and and looking at his numbers from last year, like he did start the season very similar to kind of the numbers that he's putting up now. You know, they were still winning games, but he wasn't throwing for more than you know two hundred yards. You know, hell, his in three of his first four games last season, he didn't have more than one hundred ninety yards. He was still throwing a couple touchdowns here and there, but it wasn't until halfway through the season where things really kind of started to improve for him. So maybe that, maybe he's just a late bloomer when it comes to, you know, getting his shit together. Are you, are you being polite? I feel like you're being really polite on the man right now. I'm trying to be, cause I was so excited about him at the end of last year because he started to come on and really play better towards the end of last year, because I was a big Baker hater, like couldn't stand the guy right. still don't really like him, but <laughs> I do think he's a better quarterback than what he has been putting onto the field. So I do hope that he can improve his play. Otherwise, I'll take that victory lap all day long and just take say, it suck it, Baker. Suck it, Baker, because right now you're not playing very well whatsoever. Interesting stuff. I had to go through because, I mean, okay, there are headlines, but, you know, we we, we like to mix it up on this show from time to time, and, and this is kind of interesting stuff. Big-time playmakers from week four, Chris, and there are hmm. some there are some names on this list that are kind of like, Really? I didn't see that coming. And then you're like, yeah, that one was definite. Um, but let's start with wide receivers. Tyreek motherfucking Hill, man. And I'm dropping the F-bomb. Oh, man. Because when this guy goes off, he goes off. And he goes massively off. 11 for yeah. 186 and three touchdowns last week, Chris. He freaking balled. He single-handedly won fantasy owners their leagues for the most part. Like, you know, like last week we talked about um, either getting Derrick Henry or uh, Aaron Jones. No, this week you got Tyree killed. Yes, you did. You got speed killed. He was just all over that field. I mean, Travis Kelsey had the day off because of, of everything that Tyreek and it was just working. They were just they couldn't stop it at all. No, it was just it was it was just a Tyreek show. And you know what other good thing? It was nice to see CEH, you know, have a, yes. his second week in a row of solid production. So anyone that was super down on CEH, like you're starting to believe again i am and, and uh, I'm, I'm one of them i was i was a naysayer on ceh i mean not to say that i didn't think it was ever going to happen for the man but i was i was playing the cautiously optimistic approach i was thinking he's gonna do well but how well and i'm i'm concerned with how well and i agree with you i, I it's it's very nice to see clyde edwards get his stuff mm-hmm but Mr. Debo Samuel, he has a day as well for your team. Yes, one of them was off a of blown coverage, but I don't care because stats are all that matter for fantasy football. He goes eight for 156 and two touchdowns. And I mean, here we go. Jimmy's out. Lance plays. Still, the productivity is there. The concerns always for Debo have been injuries and then lack of playing. And but I mean, every time he's on the field, he does look the part. And it's like uh, when we're talking Ayuk versus Debo, this conversation was who would be better. We had this debate how many times this offseason. Right now, it's no contest. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, Ayuk fell off again, and this has just been Debo being consistent week in and week out. I mean, let, let's we can even take George Kill out of the conversation right now because Debo is the number one guy for the 49ers. 
Yeah, it's looking good, man. And you really, I mean, wide receiver two, end of year. I mean, this is kind of where it's going. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think we're at this point right now. It's not definitely not out of the question. I agree. I agree. Welcome back, our boy, Jamison Crowder. He comes back with a blaze of glory. He goes seven for 61, one touchdown on nine targets. Looked like he hadn't missed a day. Zach Wilson was finding him on the regular. Chris, I am so happy to see Crowder back. Now we just need to sprinkle a little Mm -hmm. Elijah Moore in there. And I think, you know, our prediction is going to come on tap. I was going to say, just get more involved a little bit there and and I'll be super happy, but very excited to see Jamison Crowder back and literally just pick up right where he left off last season. Yeah, it was absolutely phenomenal. DJ Moore, DJ. Let's just chant it out, man. Chant it for the people. Say it with me. Oh. DJ, 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 DJ. No, 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 okay, we got We got to work on that. Man, you you stumbling. You're you're killing me. He goes eight for one thirteen, two touchdowns. It was just a monster day. And and the the interesting aspect that I wanted to discuss about DJ was the fact that he was taking a lot of reps from the backfield. He was taking that CMC role and he was using it beautifully. Um, and that's kind of what hampered your, your Chuba love and your Chuba load blow because mm-hmm. DJ, DJ took all the thunder, man. Dude, DJ Moore has, this is his, that was his third game in a row with double digit targets. He's now fourth in the league among all wide receivers and targets. And the biggest knock on DJ Moore, you know, throughout the first few years of his career was the guy doesn't score touchdowns. Well, guess what? He's already on pace to smash his single season, you know, touchdown record. Like he already has four touchdowns this year. He just needs one or two more to break uh, the the previous mark of what he had in each of his last seasons. So DJ Moore finally becoming that guy that we wanted him to be. And I never thought I would say this, but I'm really excited that Sam Darnold is his quarterback. See, see, I love <laughs> it. Yes, I love when things come to pass, man. Because, I mean, okay, and Sam Darnold, I don't know what the hell he's on right now. They're going to have to get a piss cup for him because chest, test that man for some PEDs. He's he's the leading uh, touchdown rusher in the league right now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you know what, you know what needs to happen is if Sam Darnold keeps this up and he finishes as, let's even say like a top 10 fantasy quarterback this year, mm-hmm. Adam Gase needs to be blackballed from all football, Agreed. not just the NFL, but college, high school, Pop Warner, Pee Wee, like he shouldn't even be able, allowed to look at a football ever again. <laughs> you, you're not allowed to buy a football anymore, man. Like that's how bad it's gotten Adam Gase. But I, I love it. I think the DJ Moore thing is, is absolutely stupendous. I love it. I'm glad I have him on so many of my rosters. But running backs, Chris, we got a couple ballers and running backs. And I had a wide the- receiver I wanted to throw in. Go ahead. Yeah. And I'm surprised you didn't mention him because Randall Cobb had his best yes. fantasy day in almost two years. He was the number four and number five fantasy uh, wide receiver this week. And the dude, granted, he had, he had like what, five catches for 60 something yards, but he did have a couple of touchdowns. So good on you, Randall Cobb. See when Aaron, I was going to put him on my list and I said, yeah, you know what? I just, I, I feel like it's a one hit wonder for Cobb, but I mean, Aaron, Aaron oh, we're, we're, we probably won't see that again. No, no, we will. We'll never see again in the season, but I mean, you never know. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, he wanted him back for a reason. It's because of the camaraderie and he knows his uh, chemistry. So definitely Randall Cobb. It was nice to see you. I, I still have so many shares on my dynasty league uh, of Randall Cobb. It's actually quite sickening. 
I'm surprised you even still had him on your dynasty I, team. I, I never gave up on Mr. Randall Cobb. I, I had to keep him. It was like the Josh Gordon effect. He's your Josh Gordon. It's perfect. He basically is. <laughs> I can't quit the man. Running backs, man. Cordero Patterson. Can you please tell me what the fuck is going on with Cordero Patterson? Like, um, did he just all of a sudden decide that he's a running back and he's a top end commodity in this league? Like, what is going on, man? Well, well, that's the problem. He's, he had three receiving touchdowns. Like he had more work as receiver than he did as a running back last week. Yeah. And like, and, and people in, you know, in Patreon, you know, keep asking these questions like, Hey, like, do I trade for Patterson? I'm like, no, like, I don't think that this kind of production is obviously he's not going to get three touchdowns every week, but the, the role that he's has now, I don't know how, how much more they're going to be able to keep it up and how consistent he's going to be. So if I'm a Cordell Patterson owner, I'm selling the crap out of him as high as I can to get something that I really need in return. I agree. And I mean, the trust factor, I mean, what did he score? 32.1 half PPR points last week. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's baller numbers for, for this man. And, and here's, here's the debate that I'm, I'm kind of thinking is, you know, again, I was having a, ch- a conversation with my buddy this afternoon and, and he was sitting here saying, you know, is this uh, Atlanta, the, the team that it finally understands how to u- use this man. And we had this discussion, like we're talking the Jalen Waddles, the Henry Ruggs. Is it, is, is he a fabric of the systems? Not, giving him the right opportunities. I think that's the best way. Is Atlanta finally the one that actually understands it? Yeah. And I think maybe it's because they don't really have other options outside of, outside of Ridley and Pitts. you know, Mike Davis hasn't really been very much for them. So he's getting more opportunities in both of those roles as a running back and as a receiver, just to kind of add a necessity right now. So I think that, you know, for this team, Again, I don't think that this production is going to be super consistent for him going forward. I very well could be wrong, but I just don't see it out of him because we haven't seen it ever in his career. So why is that different now? Um, Again, the opportunities could be there for him. But yeah, if I'm owner of, of, of him, I'm selling high. God, we're on the same page like it's one mind. And, and because for me, I'm not a buyer. I don't believe. I don't believe that all of a sudden it's just like some magical conjunction that the Atlanta Falcons with the new head coach from Tennessee figured out how to magically utilize Cordero Patterson. It's opportunity, man. They mm-hmm. have no other weapons and options. Julio's no longer there. They still want to continue to be pass happy. And and he's a mismatch coming from the backfield. You got Kyle Pitts who, who is going to draw attention. Ridley's getting double teamed. Patterson's just roaming free now. Teams are going to figure it out too. Like once they get more tape and they start watching these games, they're going to figure it out. They're going to key in on him and he's not going to be just left wide open, you know, coming out of the backfield. God, it's like one mind. I love it, man. Our boy Saquon Barkley. He comes. Mm, Let's go. Cheer it up, baby. Cause Saquon comes back with a vengeance. It was, it was so nice to see, man. I went back and watched that game twice, I think. Uh, all of Saquon's highlights and, and everything he was doing, uh, it's reminiscent of a fully healthy knock on wood as I'm knocking on my desk because I don't want to jinx the man, a fully healthy Saquon. I, I feel like that was it, man. That was the coming out party. He's back. He looks good. The cuts are fluid. The cuts are sharp. It's not like he's laboring or tentative. I, I, I love him. I have 52 rush yards, one TD, five receptions, 74 yards, and one touchdown. Baller numbers for Saquon. 
Absolutely. And things really started for him last week. You know, over the last two weeks, he's averaging 20 touches a game. He's getting involved in on more of the snaps, playing, you know, 80 plus percent of the snaps, which is what we want to see from him. So, yeah, it took a couple of weeks for him to really, you know, kind of get things going. Granted, he also had a really tough matchup in week two against Washington. But Saquon is going to be for those of you who were able to get him like seventh or eighth overall in your fantasy drafts. He is going to be a steal for you guys as you continue throughout the season. Yeah, I'm going to have to lean on him heavy because in my big money league, I lost Monty and and I need him to step up like he did this week. Uh, Just great to see. I mean, the Giants are interesting right now because we kind of saw their offense look a lot better last week. And it's funny because sometimes teams stack a little uh, their cupboards a little too much. And I think that's kind of how the Giants were until they lost Slayton and Shepard. Now you're forced. This is kind of interesting as I was watching that film as well, because they were forced to utilize and force feed Kenny Galladay, forced to use uh, Kadarius Tony, and then everything mm-hmm. also everything else opened up for Saquon. I'm, I'm I'm intrigued, man. I really am. I almost don't want Shepard or Slayton to come back so that this can continue. And I will say this, like Daniel Jones. He's the number six fantasy quarterback so far this season. He's averaging like 23, 24 uh, fantasy points a game right now. And I mean, now, and the one thing that has been a huge thing for him, the turnovers, he's been able to protect the football. He has one interception and he's only lost one fumble. So if he can keep that up, like if he can finish this year, like he's going to, he's going to make mistakes. He's going to fumble. He's going to have, you know, the, the turnovers. But if he can limit the turnovers and make sure that they aren't super costly, you know, then that's going to help. Right now, what's hurting the Giants is that defense that we thought was going to be so good coming into the season. The offense has been able to put up points here, but it's the defense that has been holding them back. And I mean, Jones has has running ability. He's vanilla Vic, man. I mean, so he can definitely get things done. I, I, I liked what I saw. I mean, and I'm no Jason Garrett fan. I, th- I I'm, I'm quite the opposite. I, I dislike everything he does uh, on the mm-hmm. coaching field. But everything I watched, I mean, there was a lot of things to like. If you're a Giants fan, based on what they put on the field against New Orleans, who is also a Jekyll and Hyde at this point. But I, I really liked what I saw from New York. It was it was good, and I'm hoping it's going to continue. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. And like I said, you know, they had a really tough beginning of the schedule. You know, they played Denver, then Washington. Atlanta was a game that they should have won. And then, you know, they have that game against New Orleans who has a tough defense. So, you know, tough start to the schedule, but they're, they're, they're hanging in there. You know, they're, they're the games that they're losing are close games. Yeah. They're in, they're in every game. That is very true. One guy that I am so happy about because I think, I think you were on board too. I, I, I can't remember. I'm pretty sure you were though, but James Connor, were you on board? Um, I was not necessarily on board, but I did say that I think, no, but what I did say was that I think that, you know, Arizona would be a good opportunity for him just because I wasn't a firm believer in Chase Edmonds. Right. Okay. Yes. I do remember that now. And you, you didn't, you weren't a naysayer, but you weren't the warm and fuzzies. That's okay. Being on the fence. Yeah. Being on the fence is fine. I was supportive. I, I, I love this. Move oh, yes, to, you were. Right. And I mean, I, I loved this move to for James Conner to Arizona simply because of all the weapons they have. His issue to me was always health. When he was on the field, we knew that he can do and, and uh, do things extremely well, I should say. But two weeks in a row, man, 17.8 and 19.6 half PPR points. 
And one of those games was against the LA freaking Rams defense. Um, I mean, did really the, the moon turn purple because how the hell they were able to run so well against this Rams defense is still beyond me. Yeah. I mean, you know, with Kyler Murray and what he can do, I can see that, but like with Edmonds and, and with Connor, I mean, Connor got most of his production because of the two touchdowns. Um, but the fact that, you know, both he and Edmonds finished as top 15 running backs just for week four against that defense. That was really, really impressive. And I will say, I mean, I'm not saying that the Rams defense is, you know, has been bad this year, but they certainly haven't been looking like the Rams defense of last season. Yeah. And guess why? Because their defensive coordinator shipped out of town. He's, he's now on the other end of LA right there. So Maybe it's going to take some time. I, 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 everything I saw though from the Cardinals last week um, was absolutely unbelievable. I mean, Kyler Murray finding his, see, here we go again, the Christian Kirk argument, right? Is he going to be used sparringly from time to time? It's going to be game plan specific. Same with Rondale Moore. I really wanted to see a little bit more from him, but I mean, the run was working. They, they had no reason to go away from it was over 200 yards rushing. And a lot of that wasn't even Kyler. He, he didn't take off a lot. He was throwing the ball. I mean, AJ green found his, uh, rejuvenation, uh, fountain of youth. Um, I mean, this offense looks damn good. It looks, it looks really, really good. I will say that I'm really surprised. Um, with not, I guess I shouldn't say surprised because Kyler Murray does kind of like to, you know, spread the ball around, but DeAndre Hopkins should be head and shoulders above everyone else on his team and targets. And he only has one more than AJ green and only three more than chase Edmonds. Like Kyler Murray is doing a phenomenal job like of, of really making sure that everyone's getting a target here because right now, they have six players, mm. running backs, tight ends, wide receivers included, that have at least 16 targets on the team. You know what's funny about that comment? Because, well, who was scrutinized the most this offseason about not being creative? Cliff Kingsbury. How many mm-hmm. people How many people don't like Cliff Kingsbury? I'm, I'm not one of them. I've always been a supporter of Cliff Kingsbury. The thing is, maybe this is part of the game plan. And I, I still haven't figured it out yet. I've watched a little bit of tape on them. But I think this is kind of the MO of the, of the, the Cardinals this year. It's, it's try to run. If the run doesn't work, spread that ball around to everybody so that nobody is keyed in on. That way now you're, you're completely multidimensional every which week. You, nobody knows who to game plan against. And this is just working in the benefit, hence why they're 4-0. I completely agree. I will say this, though. If I am a DeAndre Hopkins owner in fantasy, I am very frustrated because yes. all of this spreading the ball around and making things even is killing his production. It's true. It's true, man. I mean, he is not the DeAndre of last year. That's for sure. But I mean, they're moving in the right direction. They look absolutely phenomenal. Two tight ends. I got man on a big day week. It was my boy. Dawson Knox. Your boy. He goes off, man. I mean, okay, it was two touchdowns, but two, last two weeks, he gets four catches, 49 yards, and one touchdown. Last week, he goes five for 37 and catches two touchdowns. So remember when we were talking about the Bills a lot and we're saying, you know, a lot because I bring them up every show conveniently, but I, but I mean, he, the Bills, man, 
they are they're doing similar uh, uh, scheming that I'm just talking about the Arizona Cardinals now. Look at even Stefan Diggs. His production hasn't been on part of what it was last season, and it's kind of this spreading the ball around. This is kind of the new thing in the NFL, apparently, that nobody's going to be a number one guy because I, I have so many weapons that I can just kill you any which way. And when you put a tight end on this Bills offense to actually be productive, I think that's more scary than anything. Yeah, I mean, you look at what Knox has done uh, in weeks three and four. He's tied for six among all tight ends in total targets. Like the targets are starting to increase for him. Um, and I think it's something that we could definitely see as we go throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I hope, I mean, you know, this this game, you know what the thing is too, is I was, I was, I was kind of debating in myself saying, why haven't they used yet? Yeah, last week is different because it's Houston. Diggs goes uh, seven for over 100. But when you're talking about how Diggs, and this offense needs to play against Kansas City. Now you kind of have more weapons to say, like even Zach Moss. Zach Moss in the red zone, PPR upside with touchdowns has been crazy. Devin Singletary is starting to run the ball a little bit better. Gabe Davis has zero catches in this offense uh, like every week now because Emmanuel Sanders is moving. Cole Beasley is moving. Like this is the thing. They can hit you in so many different ways, and, and Josh Allen isn't even running as much anymore. That's one thing I noticed is that he hasn't been running as much. And I think a lot of it is because of the production that they've been getting from Singletary and Zach Moss. So they haven't had to rely on him as much as they did kind of like what they did in the playoffs last year. So it's definitely going to help Josh Allen, you know, as far as, you know, the fantasy production, like we, we always kind of bring it back to, it will hurt a little bit, but it'll keep him healthier throughout the season. So he's not taking as many hits and that way, you know, he can be able to play a full 16 game season. Agreed. I love it. I love it, but I might have a heart attack on Sunday Night Football. So if you don't hear from me again, this is my last show. Uh, it was it was a it was a pleasure being with everybody because it's going to be a stressful week for me. Yeah, we we may not hear from you at all. Like we'll hear from you right before kickoff, and then after that, he's probably going to go like zero dark thirty. Zero dark, man. It's going to be uh, no. You know why? Because it's on Sunday, so I'm always a Sunday night. Because I'm always on Twitter for Sunday nighters, so I'll I'll be on frustration and all if if it does happen. Dalton Schultz is the other tight end that I had. I knew this was coming. You knew it. You knew it. I mean, you know what? I didn't hate your Jarwin thing. This is just a playful thing that me and Chris have, because uh, if you missed it a couple of weeks ago, Chris mentioned that we both wrote a piece. He wrote Jarwin. I wrote uh, uh, Schultz. And I mean, we were, (laughs) we were debating who was going to be the tight end one. And right now Schultz is just taking the cake last two weeks. He goes six for 80 for two touchdowns. And then last week, six for 58 and one touchdown. This, this, can't continue as well though i think the targets will to be honest with you i mean right now his target share has been phenomenal um you know week one he had six week two he dropped with two targets but then the last two weeks seven and eight targets i do think we're going to see this on a weekly basis from him where he's seeing at least five six targets a game and you know where he's being targeted in the red zone quite a bit I think that it's something that we could definitely see a little bit more of and the one thing i love with schultz um that I, I actually look at this with a lot of tight ends just to see if they're going to be target, you know, dependent or if they're able to make things happen on their own. He averages six and a half yards after catch per reception, which is more than guys like TJ Hawkinson or Darren Waller or Mike Kosicki. Like this is the guy that can make things happen after the catch, which is only going to improve, you know, how many yards per game that he's actually getting, how many more targets he could see because of what he can do. 
And then, of course, the fact that he's seeing 21% of the team's total target share, that's mm. absolutely phenomenal, especially for somebody that's only running 23 routes a game, which is one of the lowest averages for any top 12 tight end right now. Talk about efficiency rate boner alert. Like, the, <laughs> the, I get boner alert, man. I'm going to yell that because it's it's straight up, man. And I picked him up off waivers in one league last week. I'm dancing. Yeah, and he's I'm going against the he's going against the Giants this week, oh. who are allowing almost 18 fantasy points per game to opposing tight ends. Oh, and they're also allowing a league high four touchdowns to tight ends. I love it, man. I, I Dalton Schultz, man. I told y'all, Dalton. I got some I got some knowledge up in this in this cranium here. It's it sometimes it comes out for good, and and this is one of the good things that happened from it. It's not full of just like Bill's homerism. It's there's there's some legit stuff going on up there's there. There's some legit stuff, man. I mean, sometimes it, it it you know comes out properly. Sometimes it does not. But I mean, we can't leave this show without talking about Tommy touchdown and your Patriots and how that game was. I mean, Chris, I felt for you, man. I mean, it was a tough one to watch, tough one to stomach. But here's the thing: Would you have gone for that field goal, or would you have gone for it on fourth down? So my initial thought was the second, you know, after we didn't convert on on third down, went to fourth and fourth and three. I was like, oh, you got to go for it. Yes. I was like, look at the field position. Like it's before the before Nick Folk even came onto the field. I was like, you got to go for it. You know, like we can make it happen. Uh, they do. Bill knew that the Bucks, you know, front seven, you couldn't run on them, but we were the throwing them all damn night. And I was like, yeah, you've been you've been utilizing both tight ends all night. Jacoby Myers has been a great weapon for you. Just just throw it fourth and three. We can get it. And then he brings out Nick Folk. And I'm like, that's a that that's a 56 yard field goal in the rain, in the rain, in the rain and the wind. And when the kick went up, I was like, holy shit, he he got it. We're going to win. And then you see it like the last like few yards you see a tail off to the left and just doink and and he had the leg like he had the distance it just it tailed off a little bit so you know you can't you can't say that it was folks faults um you know i don't i i won't even blame bill there i think you you made a decision and it just happened that it didn't work out it wasn't like it was a bad play you know but but i will say what impressed me the most was our defense against tampa bay i know that they didn't have gronkowski but the defense was phenomenal. I mean, putting pressure on Brady, making him uncomfortable. Brady made some phenomenal throws regardless, but that defense really did step up. And I was super impressed with how Mac Jones played. He, there were a few throws where I was like, Oh, Oh, you, you got lucky. That's a rookie mistake. Don't do it again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But he really showed his maturity. And I think he showed that, you know, he can, he can, he can play with anybody right now. So there's so much in that that I want, I want to talk about, but I mean, we're again, we're over the clock. Here's the thing. There's two things. The field goal, I'll start there first. And then, and then I'll jump to my other point. So the field goal on Thursday night football, when we watch uh, Cincinnati, when they were up 14, nothing, and they should have gone for the field goal before halftime, they decided to go for it. They got stuffed and they went into the locker room, 14, nothing Jacksonville uh, uh, did. They could have been up 17, nothing. And I told, I, I was again, texting my friends and i'm saying you know they should have kicked on that on that opportunity and they're like you're crazy you go for it on fourth down i said whoa whoa when you have full momentum in a game 
You never give it to your opponent, ever. Mm-hmm. I don't even care if you're getting a safety. You never give momentum to your opponent. The Jaguars were absolutely owning that game, and there's a reason why I'm saying this in relevance to the New England game, because you never give up that momentum, and look what happened to the Jaguars. They ended up losing. Why I bring that up in this contest is because I thought this was the opportunity for Bill Belichick to go for it on fourth down rather than kick the field goal. All the defensive backs were injured for Tampa Bay. The pass game was working. Like you said, your tight ends were catching the ball. I don't know why Bill played it safe on that one, especially 56 yards. We know folk had the leg for it. I mean, I wasn't worried that he was going to go short. I mean, but 56 in the rain, you have the problem of going uh, wide. But I mean, in that situation, I totally believe that he should have went for it and then it would have given them another opportunity. I guarantee they would have converted probably nine out of 10 in that pos- in that chance. But again, my second point was how much, because you said the defense was very good for New England, and I agree with you. But then I started thinking, how much does Gronkowski really mean to this offense now? Because look, they look okay. like they look like that offense uh, last year when they were completely struggling. Uh, Tom was lost, and and it's like Gronk has become that 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 safety valve foundational piece that everybody else works around him. And it was clear to me, and and New England definitely had them uh, on point in that contest. Absolutely, and to to kind of you know show that where Brady didn't have that that underneath option, you know, kind of to dump it off when he was getting pressured. In Sunday night's game, Tom Brady, when being pressured, only completed 22% of his passes. In weeks one through three, when he was under pressure with Gronk playing, he completed over 50% of his passes, 55% to be exact. Mm. So I think that shows you right there when he's getting pressured, he knows that he has Gronk right there as that safety valve but he didn't have that Sunday night, and Cameron Brait is no Gronkowski. Not even close. And I mean, okay, fine. Antonio Brown dropped that touchdown as well, and that should have been a, a kill shot. But I mean, man, Antonio would have caught that 10 out of 10 in Pittsburgh, right? I mean, I was shocked he dropped that one. Oh, I, I completely agree. Um, the one other thing I want to say before we we go is with Mac Jones, and you and I talked about this in a scouting report, how how well he plays under pressure and he mm. stays in the pocket. He makes a throw when he knows he's getting hit. He completed 77% of his passes Sunday night when being pressured. Mm-hmm. Like granted, he he wasn't throwing the ball, you know, super far down the field. I believe his his uh his A dot, his average depth of the target was like seven yards. Sure. But he was getting the ball out when he needed to, and he wasn't taking sacks. He wasn't making mistakes. He was completing passes. And and it's a great point because he is already light years ahead of his time in the NFL for his maturity. And and it was, I mean, I'm not shocked. A lot of people are shocked at this. I mean, when we when we watched the film, it was there in every single game that we watched, even in the games that he played poorly. Um, you, you just saw a different individual who just got it. He understood where he needed to be the step ups, the step backs, the sidesteps. He's not a mobile individual, but he, his command of that pocket is so good. And it's like, when you talk about elite nature of pocket awareness, Mac Jones is that. And, and I mean, he's just going to get better once they give him a weapon that can go deep. Well, yeah, and that's the other thing is, you know, his senior year in Alabama, he was one of the most accurate quarterbacks when throwing the ball 20 yards or more down the field, but he doesn't have that weapon here in New England. You have Nelson Aguilar, but I mean, that guy can't catch for crap, so it doesn't really matter. So you give him a legit deep threat, an actual alpha number one receiver, 
you're going to see some magic happen. You're going to see it. And that makes me worried as a Bills fan because now I'm going to have uh, heavy competition. By the way, that jersey looks nice on you, my friend. He's wearing Mac Money Jones today. It, it, mm-hmm. Well, well done, sir. It looks it looks good. It looks better than Cam Newton. Oh, God. Yeah, or in Keel Harry or Stephon Gilmore. <laughs> By the way, which he, All the above. which he donated today to uh, Goodwill, which is very nice of him. Yes. So some, some, you know, very um, unfortunate <laughs> child will now be burdened with, uh, with those players jerseys. You know what? It'll be some kid's Christmas gift. You just made their day. I hope you know, man, that's, that's what we do. We give back to the people, man. I mean, even when it's not intentional, one, one man's trash is another man's treasure. And that's how it is, buddy. That's how it is. But before we get out of here, we'll close it out on that. Jake has an important message. So listen up. Yeah, real quick, though, before we get out of here, I want to take a quick second here, Chris, and I want to make sure I shout out our, our partners here for the year at Fantrax.com. I mean, Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, hands down, right now, offering the greatest fantasy experience for you, uh, for your dynasty keeper, redraft, best ball leagues, whatever it is you play, they have you covered. And we want to make sure we get you guys in a position to really come in and play with us this year. We're going to have some best ball challenges with some cash prizes coming up here in the coming weeks, but you can set up your account now and it's 100% free. So head over to fantracks.com slash headliners, sign up for that free account, and then stay tuned to our Twitters, to our YouTubes, the, the community tabs on YouTube, all over the place. We're going to be posting links for these upcoming best ball challenges Totally looking forward to that, but make sure you head over there and sign up for that account right now, fantracks.com slash headliners. So on that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore FH1. You can find Chris on Twitter at ChrisKennedy318. To all the listeners, thank you for all the support. And on behalf of Chris, thanks again for listening. Until next time, stay safe and be kind to each other. I'm out.